Welcome to Sweet Music Country. One more time, a special vault edition. And i got to tell you, Jimmy, in a million years, I would have never thought you sat down with this guy. Now, am I happy you did? Oh, yes. Well, his name is Enrico Nicola Mancini, and therefore a lot of people wouldn't know that. They I might know him as Henry Mancini, one of the greatest composers in modern time, greatest composer of movie music, along with John Williams. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. two are, yeah. compa- you know, very compared. They did different kinds of music mm-hmm. all together. Uh, John Williams is known for Star Wars and Indiana Jones and so many other things. And Henry Mancini, uh, they both have one thing in common. They've both done the themes for the NBC Nightly News. You're kidding me. Mancini did them for a while. John Williams did them for a while. Brilliant man. Uh, he was nominated for 18 Academy Awards. He has won four. He was nominated for 72 Grammys Holy and God. won 20. Uh, so many. Mr. Lucky, Moon River, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, the oh. Pink Panther theme, what? the Baby Elephant Walk. Oh, I know that The one, theme yeah. from Romeo and Juliet, which was a number one record really? during the rock era, which was pretty much impossible. Mm. And now here's a conversation with, and I don't mean this loosely, the great Henry Mancini. Was it a little tough for you being in a steel town when you grew up playing the piccolo and being a musician? I didn't know any better. <laughs> that, I, knew, I knew that I was a little different, you know, because uh, I played the piccolo, I played the band, I used to uh, piccolo in the band, it was flute in the band, and uh, I started playing piano and I used to play all of the uh, weddings, Lithuanian, Polish, Croatian, Italian, Greek, all of those weddings I used to play. And uh, with no music, you know, we used to go out and play, they call them gigs now, but uh, we used to call them jobs, two and three dollars a night, you know? And uh, used to go out and play those. Knew all the tunes, I still know. I could probably do the same thing now if I had to. (laughs) Do you remember actually your first composition that was an original one? And did it ever appear in anything? No, I I, I wrote a piece, I was, about that time, there was a, these big piano pieces, the Stairway to the Stars, and uh, these kind of, quote, uh, pianistic tone poems. And I wrote one, I, I can't find it anymore, called Manhattan Moods. I thought it was really something, you know, piano solo with all of the nice chords in it. I mean, you, were you one of these kids growing up that uh, listened to the radio a lot late at night trying to get input into music that you wanted to hear? Did you go around listening to people play? or? What was really uh, getting excited? Radio was the total uh, was your total outlet. Either you heard them on the radio, or uh, if you heard the music on the radio, you know. Or you, the big bands were in vogue when I was a kid. We're talking about oh, 30s, really, up until 41 when I left, 42 when I went into the service. But the big bands were in vogue, and the only place you could hear them was on the radio. And they used to be a lot. They had a lot of. Uh, uh, what they call remotes, the big bands from uh, one Cincinnati. A lot of them came out of Cincinnati for some reason or other. And uh, Glen Island Casino and uh, the Meadowbrook in New Jersey. And they were on uh, every night. And we had one of those sets, one of those at Water Kent. Mm-hmm. And used to listen to that stuff. But that- it was very inspiring. The only outlet we had Movies, you know, I went to the movies once a week. But the thing that was the real communicator in those days was radio. But that's what got you excited. Benny Goodman, Tommy Dorsey, yeah. all those bands on the radio, and you wanted to do yeah. something like that. Yeah, well, I got the... Then, of course, I started buying their records, and that was a big... Uh, 
a big uh, step forward to uh, kind of analyzing and just listening. I was a, I was a fan, you know, like kids know they can name the the Stones off. They can name all of the the groups around Aerosmith. All of these, they know everybody in the band. You know, I used to know everybody in in those bands, except that they had a lot more people in the bands. And I used to know who the third alto man was and, yeah. and the fourth trumpet, uh, things like that. You just when you when you're young, you uh, soak up everything. Were you a real? F I mean, obviously, you had to be a very fertile composer. If uh, when you first went to work for Universal, I mean. You just basically went to work and did nine to five, cranking out music, pretty much, right? That's right. We uh, it was nine to five. I used to drive in. We had a house in Northridge then, which was it's just in the San Fernando Valley, way up in the northern part of it. And uh, I used to drive into Universal Studios, which is just on the edge of the valley, uh, about a forty-five minute ride each way, and uh, put in my we 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 didn't have to punch in, no, you know. After all, we were musicians. <laughs> but basically, it was cranking it out, pretty much. Yeah, right? well, it was, uh, we, we just kept getting assignments, and uh, we thought nothing of it, you know, just, hell, I was happy to be doing it, really. You know, it was, it was a steady uh, income, it was for six years. But the variety of things, I mean, uh, France is the talking mule. Well, we had Francis and uh, Bonzo and Mom Pa Kettle. And uh, all of the creature pictures, you know, I, we have an album out now, mm -hmm. the uh, Mancini and Surround, with the, with my Mancini Pops Orchestra, and I did a suite of all of music from it came from Outer Space, Tarantula, and uh, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, and that was a lot of fun. And that's the stuff, the kind of thing I did. But then I would go from there to the Glenn Miller story, which was a good picture, and uh, Benny Goodman's story, which was a kind of good picture. And then Touch of Evil, I, I was all over the place, all over the place. And I guess that was exciting really for a young man because the variety of work was so great. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was the best uh, apprenticeship I could have had. I still fall back on, I mean, on all of the basic, my work habits and everything were formed in those days. And I, I still work with the exception of maybe some electronics that's, that have come along since that time. I still work the uh, same way. I know when people think of you, they really think Henry Mancini, well, he's the Babe Ruth of composers, I mean, particularly in movie scores. But you actually, uh, by a very uh, kind I'd of a rather, rough... I'd rather know that. How about the Roger Maris? <laughs> Roger Maris, yeah, okay. Roger beat, Maris of composers. He Babe Ruth. Okay. I'll take Babe Ruth. All right. <laughs> uh, home run hitter, yeah, we'll say. Yeah. You actually had a, a strikeout with a kind of a tough director on the Universal lot with one of your mm -hmm. soundtracks, Mr. What Hitchcock. You, oh, yeah, well, that... I found out uh, from my colleagues that uh, many of them, it's happened to them too. It's just a matter of, uh, in the picture frenzy, I uh, did a score. He, I thought he liked, he, he, he thought he liked it too. And then uh, when it got into the uh, final assembly, he didn't think it was right. So I was crushed, crushed. But I put that, I, so I don't throw anything away, you know. I put that uh, piece, the, the, my, my main title, my main music from, Frenzy, I put it on this surround album that's out now, and I, I called it Frenzy Rejected. <laughs> I listened to that today, by the way. Yeah. Do you find yourself repeating yourself ever? You know, when you, you're having to crank out a lot of music, do you ever find yourself writing something today that you forgot that you, it was something you did in, say, 61, and you didn't even realize that's what you're doing? 
Well, I never, uh, I never stole from my, stole from myself in that respect. But I think one has, uh, and I think it goes along. Everybody, almost anybody that writes, has a certain inner core of uh, either harmonically or melodically or instrumentally things that I don't know come up to kind of give you a style I guess although in a lot of pictures that I've done if you didn't know that I had done them you wouldn't you wouldn't know it was was me writing because it doesn't have the trademarks I have I have a lot of baggage you know I have trademarks that people associate with me and it's been a it's well it's brought me uh, everything I have but then again it's uh, worked against me with people who figure that that's me and they don't want me to fool around with, uh, with let's say a dramatic picture that they have that doesn't uh, call for that kind of thing not knowing that I can do what they want. It would really be hard to compartmentalize you. I know I've heard you talk about this before. I mean you have done a lot of romantic things and you obviously have done great in those. You've done a lot of mystery type mm -hmm. movies uh, and you've done a lot of other genres, but I guess you're really known for the Breakfast at Tiffany's, Days of Wine and Roses. The mm. your biggest successes have been with yeah, romance, right, right? Absolutely, and uh, romance and light comedy, and uh, well, yeah, like Charade, Pink Panther, all of those things. That's why I say I don't. Uh, uh, that's the good. The good news, you know, that's the good part of the coin, and it's been very good. When you say like John Williams, I think that's the other composer that people think of when they think of movie music. How would you say you differ from his style? <clears throat> if I was a director, you know, and I was looking mm -hmm. for someone to do my movie, and I know of you two guys, obviously I think I may know a few more, but I mean those are the first two names that come to mind. What's different in what John Williams would do for you than what Henry Mancini would do? Well, play? what John Williams is known for, John can do just about anything. I mean, he's, he's a marvelous all-around composer, but what, of course what he's known for are the big epics, the big, the big, uh, the space pictures he did, uh, the uh, Lucas pictures, and uh, the Spielbergs. And he's come into an, an awful lot of other uh, uh, Home Alone, you know. And so I would say that, uh, but his, his trademark, I would think, would be, uh, would be the, big, the big orchestra, the, the uh, large orchestra sound. And then I guess your particular trademark when I think of Peter Gunn, dun dun dun, is, is a strong rhythm line or a dancing string or a little piano number. It's more of the smaller uh, but pointed pieces. Well, it's, well, you're going back to Peter Gunn, that was almost like chamber music, you know, chamber jazz. With, we didn't have a very large orchestra for that. But uh, yes, here again, what you get known for, and, I, and I, the Pink Panther is, is, is an out and out uh, kind of swing piece, you know with the tenor sax and all of that business. So, uh... I am a primary care physician, and... I'm yeah. I'd like to be known as a romantic guy. What's a good M.O.? Um, I was looking over... You, by the way, you had, you had something that a lot of people don't have. John Williams can't say he's got this. Uh, that's a number one record. Hardly anybody has a number one record. In <laughs> fact, Johnny Mathis, who you're working with tonight, has never had by himself a single. a single number one record, and you have. Well, I, I, there you go. I got lucky that time. Uh, <clears throat> that was Romeo and Juliet, and you have to figure that was 1970. And uh, rock and roll was really, really hot, really cooking around there, cook, cooking along. 
and I see I had seen the picture Romeo and Juliet and uh, been impressed by the, by the, this one recurring theme that Nino Rota had scored uh, a good deal of the picture with and I came out of the movie and I said gee well who hasn't nobody's recorded that darn thing I wonder why that's when people were recording picture themes now they're not 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 too much so I uh, was doing a piano album at the time, The Warm Shade of Ivory, and uh, I got the copy, and then I made the little arrangements. Very, very simple piece, you know. And we put it out, the, we thought, we, th we put out a single, and we thought the big one was gonna be Windmills of Your Mind, you know, that was gonna, that won the Academy Award that year. So we put that out, they used to have A and B sides, maybe they still do, but the, put the A, the A side was that, and the B side was Romeo and Juliet. And, and, Strangely enough, a rock and roll station in Orlando, Florida, put the record on one night, maybe not even scheduled, you know, but after they, they, all the kids had gone to bed and all, they thought they had gone to bed, it was put on about 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, just as something to get away from the pounding. And uh, that, that was it. The minute that record went off, the, 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 uh, Lights came on in the studio. You know what I'm saying? The, the telephones and everything, and it just went across the country. It became number one. Yeah, you knocked "Get Back" by the Beatles out of first place, and that's quite a compliment. Did I do that? That was the number one record before yours. Well, hey, all right. <laughs> what are the first things you think of when, uh, when I name these particular things you've done? Breakfast at Tiffany's. When I think of Audrey Hepburn, and I think of. Uh, just how she, how inspiring. That was the first of our four things together. How inspiring she is to watch up on the screen. You have to be good when she's up there. Pink Panther series. Yeah, very, very enjoyable. Very, uh, we got to meet uh, um, Peter Sellers and I became friends. David Niven and I became friends through that picture. And it was a uh, kind of, well, turns out once in a lifetime kind of, kind of picture to do. Peter Gunn. That started everything. That, that was, uh, before that I was nine to five. <laughs> After that I was, uh, I guess, n nine to nine around the clock. You know. The days of wine and roses. That was a good change of pace for me because I had done Tiffany's Gun, Mr. Lucky, a couple of other things and uh, this picture came along at exactly the right time because it was a dramatic picture and it also gave uh, Johnny Mercer and uh, me a chance to to write the song, which has you know has become a standard. Hatari. That was that was a that was another kind of mold breaker for me because that had a lot of music in it, and it had music that uh, I had never kind of done before, uh, with the wild animals and all of that kind of business. And it also was a springboard for the Baby Elephant Walk. <laughs> An offbeat one, but uh, one that more people probably have heard than almost any of your music. Uh, Nightly News. Yeah, well, that was yeah. I did two things for three things for NBC. Uh, the Nightly News they they used oh, about ten years ago, and uh, before John did his, and then the other one was the uh, election news coverage. You know, dum ba dum bum bum ba dum bum ba. But I think I'm most famous and revered for the uh, viewer mail theme for David Letterman. <laughs> you even did Bob Newhart's show. 
What a, did you do Char Charlie's Angels? Is that just something you did for the album that I have at home? I uh, I recorded that. So that was written by Jack Elliott and Alan Ferguson. Because yeah. you've done so much, I, I get confused about. What do you do with all these Oscars and Grammys? That's really a problem, actually, in your case. You've got so many of them. Where do you put all these things? Well, they don't take up that much space, you know. They're only this big. <laughs> they take up. It's a lot of dusting that goes on. That's 20 or so of these things. Yeah, well, we have a special kind of rag that cleans them. <laughs> kind of stuff that won't scratch. No, in the living area, it's not, not conspicuous or anything. We have the Oscars are in the bar. Then I have a shrine for the, for the Grammys. Mm. Which Flower, one means? Flowers there every once in a while. Does one mean more to you than the other? How about the, all these awards in general? I mean, how do you look at that? I mean, I guess it's recognition for sure of your of your work. I mean, how do you get your strokes? I mean, is it people buying your records? Is it winning awards? What is well, it? Well, it, it's a little of everything, isn't it? It's uh, it's being able to be in a position where you even like now, even when I get nominated, like last year I was nominated again for the Grammy. That's pretty good since the Grammy started. Uh, I mean, 30 years ago. I don't know. I, you know, we were the first album of the year. Peter Gunn was the first album of the year. But uh, uh, I think the uh, most prestigious of all awards is the, uh, I'm not going like Nobel Prize and Pulitzer and things like that, but of the show, uh, show business oriented one. I think the Oscars still have, has the, uh, the want to get feel about it, you know. Grammys, of course, Grammys are fine. But there's so many more of those, so many more categories. Mm -hmm. Is there anything left for Henry Mancini to keep him excited? I mean, is there kind of a kind of movie that you would like for me to get you today, if I could, or uh, a something you would really do, you're just dying to score, or you pretty much done it, and well, whatever I've, comes along? I've done an awful lot, and uh, I, I still uh, would like some good. You know, good is good is the key word here, because. Uh, that's the good ones are usually the ones which you really are taxed and really pressed to come up with something because you, if it's a good picture you know a lot of people are going to see it and uh, i think it just uh, it just makes your juices run a little faster he died when he was 70 years old uh, oh, i interviewed him. him here this was probably when he was in his late 40s or 50s but he was such a mature guy uh, i just i just had no idea he died so early mm -hmm. cancer at the age of 70 but what a i love his music and i hope you enjoyed it. it's a rare interview i don't think he did that many of them yeah yeah over the years i know i've never seen one but i've never seen one he either. was he was opening for he was doing the music he had a concert before johnny mathis sang what? and so johnny mathis was the was the was the was the big guy and he was kind of the lead up to it uh playing some of his hits and doing that with a with an orchestra and uh what a what a neat guy and yeah, no underplayed, doubt. underscored. A lot of people don't know about him, but it would have been hard in the last 50 years to have escaped his music. Let me ask you something. it was all around us. It was, and everything you you guys talked about and all the songs that you mentioned and, and he talked about too, they're all familiar to, to everyone, the Pink Panther theme and all those things. Moon so, River, what a great, oh, is that one of the greatest it, songs of all time, of that all theme? time, it's fantastic. Yeah. But how do you get, in his situation, how do you end up in that, kind of that, I don't know, not typecast, I'm using the wrong words, but you know what I mean? He he pretty much was one of the guys to go to if you needed the well, theme for anything. prolific, yeah. uh, original, many, 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 many times. Yeah. Prolific, able to do it quickly. He's got to cut his teeth cutting 
uh, television show themes and that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. they, you know, one thing leads to another. Yeah. And then one hit leads to another. Blake Edwards liked him. Yeah. So Blake Edwards was behind the Pink Panther, you know, and Mr. Lucky and some of those things like that that he did. And he had a style <clears throat> that was certainly discernible. Uh, when you when you hear his music, you kind of can recognize it a little bit. He was heavier on strings, and as I talked to him about, John Williams was heavier on horns and marches and drums. And Mancini was more, you know, flowing horns and glowing strings and dancing strings and different things style, like yeah. that. So you, it, it was a different style, but equally fantastic. And uh, what a you know, just, I'm glad. To, I mean, I was so lucky. I think he intended to do a three or four minute interview with me, Yeah. but he found, I guess he realized that I'd done my homework Yeah. and yeah, I yeah. think he appreciated having a reporter that knew his material. His album was one of the first I ever had was the soundtrack from Hatari. And uh, that's where baby elephant walk is. Yeah. I was one of the first, my brother had it. People used to buy soundtrack albums. Yeah. Oh yeah. I and remember. my yeah. family had several of them and had the Hatari album. And I used to listen to that orchestra, and I became a really big consumer of movie music. And yes, I have interviewed John Williams. I don't have that tape anymore. I interviewed him on a Grammy line, and he was, you know, great to interview. But this was a sit down, and we went deep, yeah. you know, on this, yeah. like we did with Lionel Richie. Really, we went deep on this interview. Yes, indeed. I'll bring that up one more time, and I don't want to take anything away from Henry Mancini or Enrico, which I learned today, but. I, yeah. I, I Rico really, Nicola. Yes. If you if you haven't listened to the Lionel Richie and you're listening to this one, go back and listen to Lionel Richie uh, because that one is equally as well different, 100 percent different. But this is what you get on the vault week after week. And Jimmy, you have thousands of these. And each week we release a brand new episode from the vault. And thank you so much for introducing us to Enrique. Enrique. Did I get that right? Enrico. Enrico Nicola. Blunk Italian I... class. You need to go to an Italian restaurant. But I know the baby elephant walk. I know that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Born do. in Cleveland, Ohio. Gotta love it, man. Gotta love it. Tune in next week for another episode from the vault right here on Sweeping the Country. I'm Derek Walker. He is. I'm Jimmy Carter. Until next week, good day.